Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we feast upon the words of Jesus Christ as taught in the Holy Scriptures. This year we're studying the Doctrine and Covenants, which is the Third Testament of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Second Testament of the Divine Prophetic Calling of the Prophet Joseph Smith, We've seen that in the Bible, the law, the law is that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word of God be established. We know therefore that the Bible alone, while it's a great marvelous book and teaches us many important gospel principles, many things about Jesus and God, yet it's not complete and it just stands as a one witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That itself is not enough to satisfy biblical law of the being in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word of God be established. Therefore, in these latter days, in preparation for the coming forth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his second coming and his millennial reign, which will shortly come to pass upon this earth, it was necessary for God to call forth the other witnesses so that we can have in the mouth of two or three witnesses show every word of God be established, and that's why we have the Doctrine and Covenants. It is the third testament of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, fulfilling the biblical law now and testifying to the divinity of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he truly is the Son of God, the eternal judge of both quick and dead, the life and uh, resurrection, the bread of life, the uh, manna that came down from heaven, all things, all prophecies testified of this Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And of that Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I testify that I know him, he knows me, and of him I testify to you. He lives today. We now proceed as we look at the Doctrine and Covenants. We'll look at chapters 12 through 13 today. We'd looked at previously, especially in many of our lessons last year in the Book of Mormon, about the apostasy of the ancient Christian church. Now with the uh, uh, death and the, uh, and the martyrdom of the apostles, as the apostles were killed off, the church was separated from revelation, from God, for God leading the church through revelation. There were no more prophets or apostles on the uh, earth with the death of the last uh, apostle. Therefore, the church was, was being led without revelation from God to direct the affairs of the kingdom of God upon the earth through the church. We see that this was foretold through the prophecies of the Old and New Testaments. We see that the uh, woman did go into the wilderness with her uh, child in the book of Revelation as the church was taken from off the face of the earth. With the removal of the church from the earth, we also lost the priesthood of God, the priesthood, the authority to act in God's name and to participate in the ordinances of salvation that lead back to our Heavenly Father's presence. Therefore, as part of the restoration, it was needful that at some time prior to Christ coming forth in his millennial glory to reign upon the earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it was necessary that we bring forth not only the Doctrine and Covenants and the Book of Mormon as additional witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was necessary that we bring forth the priesthood of God once again, so that the authority of God is upon the earth once again, so that people can be baptized by the authority of the priesthood and to have their names recorded in heaven as having undergone and having taken upon themselves of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
upon them, becoming Christians through the process of taking upon yourself the name of Jesus Christ, being baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. So therefore, it was absolutely necessary. So here in these uh, chapters today, we're going to learn more about the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood and how that came about. So let's look at chapter 12. And in uh, chapter 12, this is a revelation first we're going to look at given to Joseph Knight. Uh, Joseph Knight had... Uh, had heard about Joseph Smith and the plates and it helped him with material uh, you know he had employed him to, to work for him and yeah and it helped to contribute towards this uh, process of translating the Book of Mormon he inquired of the Prophet Joseph Smith to receive a revelation from God concerning his his welfare and standing before God and this is the revelation that we get in chapter 12 verse 1 this looks familiar it's at least the third time that they've uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ has quoted this same uh, uh, words. A great and marvelous work is about to come forth among the children of man. So the restoration of the gospel is about to come forth among the man, uh, among men. Jesus Christ once again himself testifying that the church has gone into apostasy, that it was necessary to bring forth the restoration of the church. Behold, I am God. Give heed to my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore give heed unto my word. Behold, the field is wide already to harvest. This is about the third or so time that he's mentioned this too. They've been preparing people for the last 1,800 years since the, rest, since the apostasy of the church to be ready for the restoration of the church. Therefore, whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might and reap while the day lasts that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. I mean, again, God coming back with the same promise to those who will reap with all their might and building up the kingdom of God, that they will, uh, you know, uh, treasure up everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. We often go forward on missionary work to think about all the good we can do and all the people we can help, and we often don't think more of the selfish motives that, you know, it's for us, and it's a promise that we'll receive, uh, you know, salvation in God's uh, kingdom as we uh, serve him. But God keeps telling uh, the early uh, the brethren of the church, uh, you know, that, that very promise. Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap the same as called of God. How do you get called of God? you got to be willing to serve. He can't take somebody who's not willing and, and make them uh, willing. He can take those who are willing and then make them, uh, you know, able, make them competent, make them, uh, you know, uh, you know, with the uh, gifts and abilities to carry forth the kingdom of God, to spread it forth in, in service towards God. Therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. That's been the same promise that Jesus Christ has given to his faithful saints all the way since the, you know, first century uh, uh, A.D. when he lived upon the earth. He said these same words in the Sermon of the Mount. You know, it's the same promise always given to his faithful saints that if they shall ask and knock, it will be opened uh, to them. Now, as you have asked, behold, I say unto you, keep my commandments and seek, seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Behold, I speak unto you and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. And no one can assist in this work except he shall be 
humble. So now we're going to look at the characteristics once again of, of those with whom God is able to use to spread forth his kingdom and build it up rapidly. They are those who are humble. they got to be humble, willing to listen to God, willing to listen to the Spirit, put into their hearts and minds the very words they should say that would be a most benefit to the children of man. And shall be full of love. People will not join the church or are not coming to Jesus Christ unless they can feel your love uh, for them. Having faith. If, if they don't have faith in God to perform miracles, how will they perform miracles? If they don't have faith that they can uh, bring people to Jesus Christ, they will not be able to bring people to Jesus Christ. They have to have faith in God, faith in, in God's promises, faith that the field is white already to harvest, that there are people out there for you to meet and to bring unto Christ. Hope and charity. So again, coming back to this uh, hope and charity, having temperate, uh, being temperate in all things whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care. Behold, I, Jesus Christ, am the light and the life of the world that speak these words. Therefore, give heed with your might, and then are ye called. So you develop his characteristics, give heed to doing so, treasure up the, the words of Jesus Christ and the words of the scripture, as he told his brother Hiram in, in last week's lesson, and you will be called of Jesus Christ. Okay, now in section 13, we come back to this Aaronic priesthood. This is the first mighty uh, step into restoration of the priesthood and the kingdom and the keys of the kingdom and the ordinances of the gospel brought back to the earth after going into apostasy for nearly 1,800 years. In this uh, vision, in this revelation, John the Baptist, the very same prophet who baptized the Lord Jesus Christ and had this, these keys of the, of the Aaronic priesthood, appears to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, and he places their, his hands upon their head, Upon you, my servants, in the name of Messiah, Jesus Christ, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels, and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion, for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. So he places his hand upon their head and conferred the priesthood of Aaron, or the Aaronic priesthood. We learn many things here about the Aaronic priesthood. It holds the keys of the ministering of angels. You know, to, to have the gift to be able to have angels appear to you on a regular basis. Obviously, there's people in the scriptures who had seen an angel without, without holding the Aaronic priesthood, but that was more of a one-time event. Those who have the priesthood of Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood, have the right to receive the gift of the ministering of angels to see angels on a regular basis. And the gospel of repentance. Those who receive the Aaronic priesthood can start to preach and teach the gospel and bring people unto repentance. And of baptism by immersion. Once again, Jesus Christ, just like he taught in the Book of Mormon, he doesn't want any disputations concerning his doctrine. You know, he teaches that is by immersion. Immersion has to be under the water and coming back out of the water, symbolic of the death, burial, resur and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sprinkling on your head does not count as, as baptism. Baptism by immersion, just as Jesus was 
baptized by John the Baptist, completely in the water, coming back out of the water. And then also we see that this priest, Aaronic priesthood, shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. So notice that, that language here, that the priesthood shall never be taken again from the earth. Again, John the Baptist now, bearing his own testimony, that the church did go into apostasy, that the Aaronic priesthood was lifted from the earth, it went away, and that it's been restored once again, and that it will not be taken from the earth again until this uh, the children of uh, Lehi, uh, Levi offer this offering unto the Lord in righteousness. So again, bearing testimony again that the priesthood has been restored and that the priesthood had left the earth through the apostasy of the early Christian church. Okay, so now uh, we get a little bit further details about this event in Joseph Smith history. In 66 or 75, let's look a little bit uh, uh, here. And so they talk this story here again, Joseph Smith, about about Oliver Cowdery. And it's great because Oliver had been staying with, uh, with uh, Joseph Smith's uh, parents and family for a while while he was teaching school. And they told him about the golden plates and about, uh, you know, the, obviously the first vision and all these uh, re uh, religious experiences that the prophet had been having to the point that Oliver Cowdery wanted to go meet Joseph Smith himself. So Joseph Smith, uh, and so Oliver appeared to, uh, you know, went off to find uh, uh, Joseph Smith. And notice this, two days after the arrival of Mr. Cowdery, I commenced to translate the Book of Mormon and he began to write for me. So after two days with the prophet, Oliver Cowdery is willing to, uh, you know, give up everything he was doing in his life to serve the prophet on a full-time basis to bring forth the work and kingdom of God. And so what a glorious and great example he is uh, to those of us, you know, uh, that we should be willing to make those commitments to, you know, uh, leave behind the things of the world, to go forward and, and preach and to teach and to build up the kingdom of God. We should not be scared of joining the church because of what our family may think. We should be more about uh, concerned about pleasing Jesus Christ and uh, wondering what Jesus Christ will think of us. And so now they continue to talk about this story, this uh, experience here, and how the, um, the John the Baptist gave them the Aaronic uh, priesthood. And then he also said here in 72, the messenger who visited us on this occasion and conferred this priesthood upon us said that his name was John, the same that is called John the Baptist in the New Testament and that he acted under the direction of Peter, James, and John, who held the keys of the, of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which priesthood, he said, would in due time be conferred upon us. So therefore, was, uh, what do we know about the Melchizedek priesthood? That had gone into apostasy and had been taken from the earth as well. The priesthood of the Melchizedek priesthood is not upon the earth at this point of time, but John the Baptist is promising that the God will soon restore the Melchizedek priesthood to the earth once again as well. And that I should be called the first elder of the church and Oliver the second uh, elder of the church. And so once again we see this and how important this is because the only church of God upon the earth, the only church that has the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. No other church claims to even have those priesthood authorities, which are absolutely necessary 
for a, a church to work in the ordinances of the uh, of the gospel. Uh, a lot, most churches have never even heard of the Melchizedek priesthood or of the Aaronic priesthood, other than maybe uh, the, the, their scholars. Their scholars have read, you know, the Hebrews eleven, so they would have maybe heard of Melchizedek a little bit, but not know no know much at all about this priesthood of Melchizedek. And they couldn't tell you any difference between the priesthood of Melchizedek and the Aaronic priesthood. And so it's so important to know, and that's the foundation to even bring forth. Notice they, they bring back the priesthood of God before the church is organized. You cannot even organize the true church upon the earth unless you have the priesthood and authority of God. Oliver speaking about this here in these uh, footnotes here, and talks a little bit about after um, about his experience here in translating for the Book of Mormon, uh, translating the Book of Mormon from the words of the prophet Joseph Smith as he would receive the revelation to give to Oliver to write it down. After writing the account given of the Savior's ministry to the remnant of the seed of Jacob upon this continent, it was easy to be seen, as the prophet said it would be, that darkness covered the earth and gross darkness the minds of the people. On reflecting further, it was easy to be seen that amid the great strife and noise concerning religion, none had authority from God to minister the ordinances of the gospel. None of the churches in the 1820s had the power or authority to minister the, the gospel ordinances. He says here, For the question might be asked, have man authority to administer in the name of Christ who deny revelation? So how can a church deny revelation but yet think they have authority from God to perform baptism? If you deny revelation, you can't have the authority of God to perform baptism. When his testimony is no less than the spirit of prophecy. Book of Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you have the testimony of Jesus, you will be led by the Spirit of God to prophesy and to receive revelations. You cannot have the test a true testimony of Jesus Christ without receiving prophecy or revelation. And his religion based, built, and sustained by immediate revelations in all ages of the world when he has had a people on the earth. Every time God has had people on the earth, they received revelation and continuous revelation. If these facts were buried and carefully concealed by man whose craft would have been in danger if once permitted to shine in the faces of men, they were no longer to us. And we only waited for the commandment to be given, arise, and be baptized. And then here at the end when he talks about the experience with, uh, uh, with the, uh, uh, John the Baptist, upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer this priesthood and this authority which shall remain upon the earth, that the sons of Levi may yet offer an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Said Oliver Cowdery, I shall not attempt to paint to you the feelings of this heart, nor the majestic beauty and glory which surrounded us on this occasion. But you will believe me when I say that the earth nor man, with the eloquence of time, cannot begin to clothe language in an interesting and sublime manner as this holy personage. No. Nor has this earth power to give the joy, to bestow the peace, or comprehend the wisdom which was contained in each sentence 
as they were delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man may deceive his fellow man, deception may follow deception, and the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and untaught till not. But fiction feeds the many, and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love, yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Savior, from the bosom of eternity, strikes it, it all into insignificance and blots it forever from the mind. The assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we heard the voice of Jesus, and the truth unsullied as it flowed from a pure personage dictated by the will of God is to me past description. And I shall ever look upon this expression of the Savior's goodness with wonder and thanksgiving while I am permitted to tarry. And in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes, I hope to adore in that day which shall never cease. What a beautiful spirit-filled message of Oliver Cowdery and his witness and his testimony that they had seen the angel of God, they had seen John the Baptist bring forward the ironic priesthood upon them, that they had heard the voice of Jesus Christ. What a glorious description of their experience in the beginning of bringing forth the true church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints once again upon the earth. I thank all of you for joining us this day. We love all of you. We pray for you every day. I testify to you that these things are indeed true. Jesus Christ lives today. He has restored his true church upon the earth, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For those of you who are not yet baptized members of the church, I will leave the description, the uh, a link to just click on so you can meet with the missionaries and they will help you get baptized so you can take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, becoming Christians through being baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. You will then be given a new name, that of Latter-day Saints, as God calls you and separates you from the people of the world as his people and places his name upon you as well. I testify that these things are true. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.